0: I don't know about you but most of us struggle with change change is not something that most adults look forward to change makes us uncomfortable change puts us at some level of risk because we don't know what will occur on the other side of that change or that transformation And some of our changes are life changes, marriage, passing, college, career, children. Some are more subtle and sublime. Technology, a new sofa, losing your seat on Sunday morning. And yet most of us we struggle with this concept of change. It is not something though that is foreign to God's word. If we look at Romans chapter 12, Paul talks about change and uses the word transformation. Inasmuch as Paul is saying to you and I as believers today that we are to transform and to continuously transform the verb tense that Paul uses there and in other places is an ongoing continuous action and so while you and I as adults will be uncomfortable with the thought of change transition transformation it is clearly an expectation from God's Word and from God Himself And if we look back at the ministry of the Holy Spirit And we look at the work of the Holy Spirit as an example on the day of Pentecost, which we'll look at in just a moment. How is it, how is it that a rough fisherman, sometimes self-centered, sometimes a coward, how is it that on that particular day, he is enabled and transformed into something that we would read about in successive chapters, A totally different person and so today in my time with you I want to talk about this matter of change and I want to leave us with three words for your consideration related to this discussion of change because as Christ followers I think it's a clear expectation from God's Word that you and I continue to change transform transition that being comfortable is not always the desired outcome. And yet, when we're hesitant to change, that's exactly why we don't change. We are comfortable, we are settled, we are set. And that's not necessarily a bad feeling. It's not necessarily a bad opportunity. But I think Christ calls you and I, especially in this body, to be much more than that. So we're going to look at the words why, what, and how today. And there are many points of discussion for this, uh, this area of change. We could talk about you and I changing our walk with Christ into a deeper relationship through a deeper study of His Word. We could talk about you and I and our giving. And how we, uh, our giving is an outgrowth of, of our relationship with Jesus. We could talk about church growth and church growth strategies, but I've chosen this morning to talk with us about how you and I can continue to change, transform, transition in the way that we explain who Jesus is to an increasingly dark society. How you and I can carry the water of the word of God to those who are thirsty. And we'll do it in the framework of why, what, and how. Before we go further, we'll ask God's blessing on our time. Lord, we are thankful for this place, for its warmth, for our ability to be with fellow believers, brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'm thankful, Father, that I have the opportunity to express what I believe you've laid on my heart. With that said, Father, the opportunity uh, could be easily overridden by Mitch and should not be. One of the hallmarks of this pulpit and of our pastor is that he yields to your word. And so, Father, help me to do what our pastor does so well. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. If you have a copy of God's Word we're going to put uh, we're going to put uh, in a minute we'll put uh, things on the slide for you we always do that we do that out of convenience uh, never to take the place of the Word of God so in this church you'll notice in the pew in front of you is a copy of God's Word sometimes people feel comfortable with God's Word in their hand as we talk about the things he has for us and sometimes we don't and that's all right But I would ask you to remember these three words today. Let me give you a brief definition of why, what, and how, so we have a baseline understanding of where I'd like to go in these few moments I have with you. The first is the why, and the why is is a rationale. It is a belief structure. It's something that overrides your personal preference. Remember, most of us are hesitant to change. We don't like the thought of change. We prefer to stay the same because we know what that means and what that looks like and how that feels. But a why is a compelling reason, bigger than ourselves, for why we should do something that is uncomfortable. Approaching someone who may not know Christ or responding to somebody who has asked a question about our Savior is uncomfortable for some. So what is the why behind that? And we'll talk about that. And then there's the what and the what are numbers the what are measures and metrics the what is is the representation numerically of why we believe what we believe god's word is filled with numbers for those who've been in adult sunday school with us we had a running uh, laughter in our sunday school class about the book of leviticus Leviticus is not always the book that most of us go to first when we open the Word of God. No, we like Genesis, and Exodus is resounding in the power of God, and we'd rather read Paul, and the words of Christ in red on our Bible, we'd love those. Leviticus is all about numbers. So Charlie and Linda and others in our Sunday school class, we giggle about working in Leviticus, but our God is a God of numbers. We can't ignore that so the what is the numbers and then there's the how when we think about how we're going to express our Savior to somebody who has a question about Jesus how will we do that will we do that face-to-face will we do it electronically will we do it by telephone will we Skype will we FaceTime how will we do this Remember, there are any number of areas in our walk as believers where we continue to transition and transform. I said the relationship with Christ, our giving, and other areas. But we're going to center our time right now on the why, what, and how of how will you, and how do you, and how will I, and how do I express Jesus to a world that is increasingly dark. And the first one is the why. If you have God's Word in front of you turn to Matthew chapter 22 verses 39 37 to 39 let me give you a little context Jesus is teaching and at this point in his ministry it is the Sadducees and the Pharisees the religious leaders of the day who are coming to Jesus and testing Jesus now you and I know 2000 years down the road that testing God may not be such a good idea and it always has the same outcome and so the first part of this chapter the Sadducees are coming and they're testing Jesus about the long lens of eternity and they were confounded such that they became silent they couldn't respond they offered the test Jesus responded, and they were so confounded, they left in silence. That's the Sadducees. Well, they thought, well, the the Pharisees heard this and thought, well, he's not going to be better than us. We're going to come and we're going to test him on the commandments. He may have confounded the Sadducees, but they're not as good as us anyway. We're going to talk with him about the commandments. And at the end of this text, they too left confounded and unable to respond to Jesus. And the Bible says at this end of this particular chapter that they pulled away and they stopped testing Jesus. They stopped testing God. But this particular passage offers us a why, of why you and I, would speak to someone about Jesus, of why it's critical that we answer the question, not because it makes us comfortable, not because we have the perfect answer, but because Jesus said unto them, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. In, In your entirety as a being, you're to love God. Uh, This is the first and greatest commandment, Jesus said. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So when you and I are uncomfortable that somebody we've lived next to, the family member we love, the neighbor across the street, the co-worker, our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, when we've never said a word about Jesus, and we know there are questions, what would be the compelling factor for you and I to be uncomfortable and to initiate that conversation or respond to that conversation in a world that is increasingly dark? It would be the commandment to love completely. Love God completely. Love your neighbor completely. That's the compelling reason that we want to engage people in the gospel. Attached to that is the love others as you love yourself. At some point, many of us in the room, maybe not all of us, but many of us in the room made a conscious decision about Jesus. That we believe that Jesus is the Son of God that we believe that Jesus was sent by God to bring light into a dark world, and we made a conscious decision for Christ. We were discipled, we were taught, we might have been baptized, we may have walked an aisle just like this. We made a conscious decision. So not only take us out of our comfort zone to respond to somebody that we may never have spoken about the gospel, because we love God, And that overrides our feelings, our insecurities, our embarrassment. But also, we love our others as we love ourselves. And we loved ourselves enough to ask Jesus into our life. So, the why of having a conversation that is uncomfortable, a conversation that we may never have had before, answering a question when we don't think we have the answer, but we really do have the answer, the why. Is the love of God and loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. so what about the what if you have a copy of God's Word in your hand you move from Matthew to Acts it's the fifth book in the New Testament uh, God's Word is in the pew in front of you and turn to Acts chapter 2 remember the what are numbers And in our church, like most churches, we look at numbers. Uh, If I were to, I I may have, I thought I did, maybe I didn't. If I'm to look at any of our worship folders, here's one. Look at your worship folder. Look at the back of your worship folder, if you would, please. This is audience participation. Look at the back of your worship folder. What do you see at the top? numbers you see numbers in dollars, contribution a demonstration of our faith in Christ, you see numbers in attendance, a demonstration of our faith in Christ we have numbers and God is a God of numbers I told you about our laughter on Leviticus but all the way through from Genesis to the last word of the Revelation where God initiates heaven and earth and will bring forward a new heaven and a new earth All in between, God is counting. And nowhere is that more important than on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And I've already alluded to our brother Peter, who was one man at the trial of Christ. A coward. With all due respect, not much different from you and me when we shy away from speaking to somebody about Jesus. Not wholly different from you and me. When we say, well, let me get the pastor involved. He's better at it than I am. But this man at the trial of Jesus. And the day of Pentecost is completely different. A 180, how did that happen? It's because he he loved God with all his heart. And he loved others as he loved himself. He had a Why? And so in Acts chapter 2, you'll know that the Holy Spirit has come. The enabler, God himself and the person of the Holy Spirit has come to enable them and us today to live this life as a Christ follower. Near the latter part of this particular chapter, Peter has been preaching of Jesus. And when we preach of Jesus, when we talk of Jesus, there's generally a response now, sometimes your response and my response in a service like this, a gathering like this, is a public response. Sometimes it's a private and personal response. But there generally is a response when we talk about Jesus. And what we know of this scenario is that the people responded. Acts chapter 2, verse 37 through 41 Now, when they, the people, the congregation, those assembled at the temple who had heard Peter, they were distressed. The New English translation says acutely distressed. They were wringing their hands so distressed. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, by the way, Peter and the rest of the apostles Christ followers they are you and me we oftentimes make a big deal about Peter and James John and are they a big deal absolutely I take nothing away from their ministry but they were believers in Jesus like you and me and they are enabled and empowered by the Holy Spirit just like you and me and they receive grace sufficient for them from God himself just like you and me so he's asking you and me what should we do with what you just told us and Peter said to them repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far away As many as the Lord our God will call to himself, and that would be you and me. With many other words, verse 40, he testified and exhorted them, saying, save yourselves from this perverse generation. I don't know how it could be any different than today. And verse 41 so those who accepted his message were baptized and that day about 3,000 people were added now uh, this is a, a, a Baptist church and so we're very quick to say and we've always grown up hearing that that's 3,000 men the women and children we want numbers at the Baptist Church is my point we the women and children aren't in that number so there were five to seven thousand saved that day and baptized we love numbers but numbers standing by themselves are hollow the value of the three thousand people that day is that Peter like you and I Peter lived wholeheartedly for God, and loved others as he loved himself. He stood and ministered that day because he loved others and did not want them lost. He wanted to answer their questions. He wanted to give them some confidence. He wanted to share Jesus. I am certain that was uncomfortable because some people were pointing at him and going, wasn't he the one? now Jesus had already forgiven him for his part but you and I know that while you and I can be forgiven by Christ himself we still have this conscious memory of who we are and what we've done so the what rings hollow if we don't understand why so that's the why something bigger than ourselves that compels us to change and transform and continue to change and transform that's the what a measure of that how do we measure that transformation and finally the how so at the end of his ministry after the crucifixion and the resurrection Jesus God Jesus spent time with people with his disciples with the masses hundreds had seen Jesus post resurrection and we're coming to the end of his time on earth of moments before jesus is ascending to heaven to today be seated at the right hand of the father and advocate for you and me he is our brother savior advocating right now for you and me and a parenthesis i just i just i got i, I want to do a parenthesis and yes i'm watching the clock and yes i know I know but let me do a parenthesis and Paul it involves you can I say what you said to me over here would you mind I'm Jesus is at the right hand of the Father advocating for you and me it is clear in God's Word but I challenge you to go home and read Hebrews 12 you remember that Hebrews chapter 11 is the great chapter of faith If you want to know what a faithful follower of Christ is, it's chapter 11. By faith, Moses. By faith, Abram. By faith. And the beginning of chapter 12 opens with an assertion that those we just read about, chapter 11, are in the grandstands of heaven, so to speak. That there's a portal that opens, I don't know when, I don't know how often. Paul said to me, <laughs> no pressure for Paul. Paul said to me, Joyce Jordan will be watching you. Don't mess up. His mama. I have to believe that while Christ is advocating, when we're looking at the faith chapter 11 and God's Word opens chapter 12 and says they are watching and they are cheering and they are encouraging that mama is literally watching and encouraging you and your family I firmly believe that about my loved ones that are there with Christ today Jesus is about to go and to be our advocate with the Father and Matthew chapter 28 the end of the chapter of the Great Commission so the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain that Jesus had designated he told them where to meet him when they saw him they worshiped him but some doubted okay get this picture some doubted what that he was Christ yes he have been crucified and resurrected yes how do I know that because they doubted today uh, that he was God himself yes they doubted. the doubts are no different than what you and I encounter today so people are worshiping and yet they're doubting but that's not the main thing Jesus uh, came up and uh, walked up and said to them all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me that's because he's God. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of this age. So we're talking about change and we're talking about your ability to continue to transform and transition in your ability to meet the needs of people who have questions about Christ and they are all around you how do I know they are all around you because they are not in the pew with you today they're all around us in a dark and dying world there are people who want to need to know Jesus (coughs) The rationale for that discomfort, the rationale for talking to people is the great commandment, love God completely and yourself, and others as yourself. There should be some accounting of that. We, we track numbers. But at the end of the day, it comes down to these few words. These few words for you and for me as Christ followers. Jesus in this last words on this earth Said to us, reach. He did that in the word go. The word go is the construct of uh, it's really not an option. I'm not offering you the opportunity to go. I am telling you to go and keep on going. Not go once, keep going. He then tells us to teach. Well, what are you going to teach somebody who has a question about Jesus? Well, you're going to teach them the first and greatest commandment, love God with all your heart and soul and mind. And love others as yourself. That's where you start. And the second thing you're going to teach is your walk with Christ. How do you walk with Christ? That's what you teach. Now, the baptized, you may need a little help. We're happy to help with the baptized part although I don't know that there's any real problem with you going and baptizing somebody I I, I don't I don't know that I'm sure there would be somebody from somewhere that would tell me no you can't do that but hey Jesus said go teach baptize," and the construct of the verb is repeat it it isn't limited to uh, ministers It isn't limited to clergy. It isn't limited to to, uh, musicians. It is an open discussion with you and me about how we are to transform and transition into people who easily, comfortably tell others about Christ. And forgive me, I'm not trying to assert that you and I don't do that already. In fact, I know some who do that routinely. But in a world that is increasingly dark, that just means the number of people around you, whether you're in a condominium or in a house or in a business or wherever you find you, the park, a restaurant, there are more people over time who have questioned or need Jesus than yesterday the world is becoming dim and we are that light so the why what and how is something that would motivate you to to have conversations that may change and may be uncomfortable the what is how do we account for that are there are there more of us are there less of us and the how the how is relatively simple we're to we're to go and keep on going Now the downside of this conversation for some in the room today may be and some who may see this video later may be that you don't know Jesus, that you yourself have never accepted Christ, that you yourself may have questions about Jesus and if so this is a perfect place to have those questions. It's a safe environment. It's a non-judgmental environment. And there's so many people who can answer that question today that could be your day to accept Christ we're happy to receive you and answer those questions whether that's bill or I Harry is right there Charlie is right there any of us we're happy to answer a question you might have about Jesus But today as you leave i want you to remember why love the lord your god with all your heart soul and mind first and greatest commandment the second is like it love your neighbor as you love yourself lord we thank you for this time that you've given to us today we thank you for the richness of your word that we can only scratch the surface in these few minutes But I'm grateful that you allow us this opportunity and this occasion to be together, to hear your word, and now to do something with it as we leave this place. Lord, I do thank you for Joyce, the legacy of faith in her family. I thank you for those in my family and other families that are here today. Saints who, by faith, walked this walk before us Saints who today Should you choose? Might be looking through a portal cheering us on As we minister to those Who are in need of a Savior Lord as we go this week uh, Lord we are going to encounter people even today at a restaurant At the gas station, at Costco, at Publix, wherever we're going to go. Uh, There'll be a stadium full of people tomorrow night, I understand, Lord. Some of them may need Jesus. And you're going to say, well, well, maybe not during the game, really, during the game. Yes. They may need Jesus. So, Lord, you're going to bring the people to us. Help us to be faithful in what we say to them about you, would be my prayer. For your people in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and have a great week together.